Welcome back to Inside Four Walls, where we're going to cover the uh, ever-intensifying flirt with the end of the world. I'm kind of kidding. I don't unnecessarily know how serious uh, or how much we have it in us to actually respond with mutually assured destruction the way that we used to be able to. We're a lot softer as a people. But we have a story before us, nonetheless. U.S. leans towards providing Abram tanks to Ukraine. So, we, it's been a minute, it, it's been a minute since we've talked about Ukraine, or done an update about what's going on over there. Last time we did an update, we talked about how the World Economic Forum had joined in in funding Ukraine, as well as inducting uh, Vladimir Zelensky into the World Economic Forum, setting the stage for Dictator Zelensky. Now, you can say that's biased, fact check me in the comments, we'll have a conversation, I'm always down for it. However, I, despite, well, you know, I'll be real with it. As soon as the World Economic Forum came into play, I picked a side. Up until that point, you know, it had been fun to be pro-Russia to just bait the shit out of people. But with the introduction of the World Economic Forum, and after what, 15 years of being lied to and shilled about why we should all be afraid of the Rootskies, I'm over it. But ultimately, all that aside, it's irrelevant because this is an issue between two bordering countries. And you could even argue that Ukraine doesn't actually exist because Ukraine doesn't have any defined borders. But that's more of an esoteric argument. Anyway. We have sent firearms and so many supplies to Ukraine, which less than 30% make it to the battlefields. But not only was less than 30% of the weaponry, money, and artillery we have sent to Ukraine. I said weaponry and artillery. Same difference. Anyway, of the resources, the billions and billions of dollars worth of resources we've sent to Ukraine, less than 30% have actually made it to the front lines. We have found countless firearms that we've given Ukraine show up in the hands of ISIS, the Taliban, and many of our enemies around the world. To the point where now we have troops actively on the ground in a non-combatant uh, non-combatant operation to keep an eye on the supplies we send to Ukraine because all of the shit we send to Ukraine ends up on the black fucking market. Q, not the Prime Minister, it's like the, the Pramov, the Premier or whatever the fuck, throwing a big-ass party on a yacht, firing rounds into the sky while doing cocaine with a bunch of women who are identified to be sex workers on a fucking Ukrainian-slash-Russian prostitution webpage. Nice. So, I'm officially gone into the I'm standing with Russia in this one. Fuck Ukraine. And furthermore, you know what? We're going to delve deeper into this. We have a couple things to get into. But let's get into this story. The Biden administration is leaning towards sending significant numbers of Abram M1 tanks to Ukraine. And an announcement of the deliveries could come this week. Oh, fucking giddy goddamn Jesus of joy. Aren't you happy? You know what my original stance was on this whole situation? It's none of our fucking business. It's a border country and another border country fighting with each other over territory. We don't need to be involved in this, but you want to know why we're involved in this? It's because Joe Biden and Hunter Biden have business ties to Ukraine. They also have deep business ties to China. China 
started backing Ukraine as well. I just find it also very interesting how these players are all intermingled with each other, and we will get into the Ukraine thing and the Joe Biden connection as well. But let's hop over here. We just have a video to watch on this one. Rewind it. Abrams tank to it's so good that just a few Abrams tanks can take out scores of Russian tanks. So again, we come back to thinking about this from Vladimir Putin's standpoint. Each time America paused to worry about provoking him, we went ahead and did it. And sure, it took a little while. But 11 months ago, the Ukrainians wouldn't have even dreamed of asking for Abrams tanks, much less getting them. Sending Abrams tanks now sends a clear and unambiguous message to Putin that we will stop at nothing to defeat him. And for a man who views defeat in Ukraine as an existential threat to him and to his regime, uh, that is a pretty serious message. William Taylor is here, former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. Mr. Ambassador, we always appreciate it, sir. Mm -hmm. Uh, does this message come with any danger? It comes with danger to Mr. Putin. It comes with danger for the Russian forces for exactly the reasons that you said, Lehman. This is a, this is a very sophisticated weapon. But even beyond that, um, oh, this yes. is a message the that has quaking, danger I'm written sure. on it for the Russians because when the Americans send the Abrams tanks, that opens the door indeed opens the floodgates for German tanks to come from a lot of different countries in Europe um, that were waiting for the Americans to send theirs. And so the Germans now have allowed their leopard. No talks about de-escalation. No talks about how this is none of our fucking business. No talks about any of that. It is just, it is so good that we are using countless hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer di uh, taxpayers dimes to fund a war that has nothing to do with us other than the fact that it's more of a proxy war between russia nato the world economic forum the un and the eu but it's just so good that it's escalating why because latham's making money bro the military-industrial com complex gets to grind. Meanwhile, your brothers, your sisters, your wives, your husbands, your uncles, your cousins, your exes, your boyfriends, so on and so forth, will be sent to die in a dispute that has nothing to do with us. Enjoy. ...tanks, which are on the battlefield that are in Europe right now and can get to the Ukrainian battlefield quickly, that is the message to the Russians. No, no, I, I, look, there, there's no question that this continues to up the, the pressure the on Vladimir Putin's army. Uh, his foreign minister, uh, his, his, the former president of Russia, who's one of his lackeys, uh, and he himself Sorry. have all talked about how defeat in Ukraine is an existential threat to Russia. If Russia faces an existential threat, uh, they reserve the right to use their nuclear weapons. Are we being clear-eyed enough about how Vladimir Putin is going to react if uh, the end result that you just described happens? But we gotta love the subtitle here. Germany will also send tanks to Ukraine. I swear to God, that better come up because all this homie here in the suit said is this sets the ground for countries like Germany to send tanks in. Then they change that banner like immediately. That's not the story. 
The story is America is considering the possibility. Homie squeezes out the queefs the word Germany, and now it's part of the story. Look at that magic, and that's how narratives are built. Just described uh, the progression um, of the weapons that we provided. <clears throat> You know, we started. <clears throat> one of the things uh, you could add to your list is we started off providing stingers um, to shoot down low-flying aircraft and helicopters. We're now, I think you pointed this out, we're now sending Patriots. Uh, we started out sending javelins um, that would take out individual tanks. Patriots now are weapons, we're by the way. HIMARS. So we've gone up the ladder, and and President Putin has kind of complained about this all along. Um, however. He's done nothing. Oh, well, um, no, that, that, that's a fair, on the battlefield. That, it's a fair mm. point. So should we just sort of give up this charade about worrying what Vladimir Putin is going to do? I mean, is that a fair point? The whole reason why Ukraine's even been able to hold up the fight that they've been putting up so far is exclusively because of the money they managed to leech off the entire world. And let's not forget people like Joe Biden and Boris Johnson told Zelensky, do not engage in any peace deals. And then when Elon Musk says, hey, let's have a peace deal, they tell him, get the fuck out of our country. We don't want your Starlink. Get lost. So again, Vladimir Putin is escalating shit because we're involved in a conflict that has zilch to do with us. I uh, Honestly, you have to ask yourself, why is there such a deep American investment in Ukraine? I mean, the answer sitting in the Oval Office right now, but that's where the answers to all of this shit lies. There's a reason why when peace deals came up, a lot of like you know these G7 leaders came up and said, "Oh yeah, no, don't engage in these peace talks." And Ukraine said, "All right, we won't engage in these peace talks," and then the peace talks were stifled. Again, there's a reason why these people are talking in terms of. Let's send tanks. Let's get more countries roped into sending weapons into this conflict. This is all pushing and escalating towards World War III, whereas if the countries didn't get involved and they just let this happen, two non-NATO countries fighting each other, we would never get involved otherwise. If there wasn't such a, a conflict of interest between different political leaders here, including Mitt Romney. Josh Romney was also on the board with Hunter over in Burisma. You know, so I'm not just singling out Hunter here. Unlike a lot of other people, actually, we'll talk about fucking Josh Romney being on that board, too. Now, but if we don't, it's funny, right? We go immediately from the Middle East, right? We pull out of Afghanistan, turn around and say, ladies and gentlemen, Ukraine. Like a fucking drop of a hat. Why not give the Ukrainians uh, F-15s? Why not give them uh, long-range missiles to go uh, bomb Moscow? We shouldn't give them any long-range missiles to bomb Moscow, but Why we not? should give them F-15. Why not? Because we're not at war with, uh, with the Russian. Uh, we're not at war with the Russians, and that would generate a war. There's no doubt. What will not generate a war is the Ukrainians fighting against the Russian forces in their country. And that's what we're providing. That's exactly what we're providing. We should we should continue to do that. We're not participating in a war against Russia. We're just giving them bodies and guns and weaponry to fight in the war against Russia. You know, we're completely just bystanders here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you're right. 
we should give high, even longer range weapons so that the Ukrainians can shoot at the Russian targets, military targets, Leland, unlike the Russians that fire at civilian targets. We should give the Ukrainians. You're so confident. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I hate to fucking break it to you. But Ukraine has pulled multiple little fucking funny little fake attacks, not only on its own border, but in Russia and in Poland. So let's look back at this story, shall we? A missile was fired into Poland, and Zelensky and the president of Poland turned around and said, this is it, we need to, uh, I'm a NATO country, I've been attacked, it's time for a nuclear war with Russia. And then they carried out the investigation and said, oh wait, this missile was fired at us from Ukraine. Ukraine said, oh, well, it was clearly the Russians who hacked our systems and, and fired it at you. Clearly, we need to nuke them. And that has been the mouth talking point of Zelensky. Well, he fired a missile. He hacked into our systems and fired a missile into Poland. And bro, the fucking, it showed signs that they were trying to strip the detailing that would indicate that this came from Ukraine. So this is all the markings of a, uh, we're gonna, you know, stage an attack to justify an invasion, a la 9-11. I'll stand by that. A la the Gulf of Tonkin, another false flag incident. And, you know what, this is my personal conspiracy theory. I think uh, Pearl Harbor was an inside job, too. Uh, you, look, you hear about, you find out the Gulf of Tonkin was a, was a setup. Bro, where do you go from there, right? Anyway. Was friendly fire from Ukraine interesting ability to fire at military targets at great depth so no, that they can I, push the russians so they can push the russians out of their country first off do you want to know why ukraine needs so much aid and assistance from the u.s it's because they were incapable of waging and protecting this fight on their own this fight would have been done and over with a week or two after it started it was the rush of the World Economic Forum and all these little boys clubs like the UN and the EU and the Emirates and all of them rushing in to throw money into this conflict. Because they all have some fucked up connection to Ukraine, its government, and the business part. Now let's not forget, we America helped stage a coup in Ukraine during a transitionary period in the Obama years that got Zelensky into the office that he's in right now, while the actual elected president of Ukraine was forced to flee into Russia for protection. Again, the amount of heavy meddling in Ukraine. It's hard for me to sit here and be like, oh yeah, totally, completely innocent bystanders, when it's like, oh yeah, nuke! Don't even call for an investigation, just nuke. Oh, the investigation showed that that was my missile? Oops. Oh, oh, we need more money and supplies. We, you know, our, our troops are running out of bullets. Oh, you mean these investigations showed that less than 30% of what you've sent me has ended up actually going to my troops, and a bulk of it's ended up on the black market to the point where now you're sending troops in to protect it, so it doesn't end up on the black market still. But now we're also going to send them tanks? Great. So you mean you're now we're going to send more troops? Oh, and mechanics? Watch, because you need mechanics to make sure that, that, like, the parts, you know. You ever have somebody steal a catalytic converter off from under a car? Watch, somebody will maybe we'll strip some parts from the tanks. We need mechanics there, and the mechanics have to be armed, of course, for their safety. And we're slowly going to build this quiet military force in Ukraine. Watch, it's already happening right now. Forgive me, and, and I, I was in eastern Ukraine during the 2014 war. I've seen the brutality of the Russians uh, up close and personal. It is horrific in every in every sense. And there's no there's no question the Ukrainians are fighting for it's their lives. 
they're the victims here. We, we all understand that. But you say with certainty that what we're doing now is not going to start a war, but giving them weapons to, to get farther into Russia is going to start a war. How can we be so certain that we truly know where the line is if for no other reason than we keep moving it? Leah, I think this whole idea of a line is a bad metaphor. It's a bad concept. There's no line. You The only time there won't be a line is when the nuclear blast irradiates from existence. But there is clearly a line. Look at this swamp, this warmongering you recoil from friendly opposition, mind you. Long-range missiles to hit Moscow because that would that would start a war. That's a line, is it not? What we should do is give the Ukrainians the ability to shoot within Ukraine, deep into Ukraine, where the Russians are, not at. Oh, well, he just changed his story because he said you need to be able to fire into U- into Russia to the military bases. He said it would be a bad idea to hit Moscow because of civilian casualties, which kind of ties into something. I almost agree with him because one of my original stances was, in a fight between two of the most corrupt countries on the planet, the best thing you can hope for is a double knockout with as little civilians, you know, civilians harmed as, with as few civilians harmed as possible. But a large amount of civilians have already fled to Russia from Ukraine. Not to mention the bulk of the Ukraine fighting force is literally fucking Nazis that have been known to like commit sexual assaults on you know minorities and people who are you know not Aryan. I'll throw a link in the description below. You pick your news source. I'll throw actually I'll throw a couple articles in about this topic. You can just Google CNN or sorry, you can just Google yeah, hell even CNN has article about. I'll just prove it. So you know how CNN was spent all that time saying Trump supporters are evil, racist, bigoted, homophobic, every ism and obic phobic thing on the planet. Nazis, man, they're real bad. Now watch them defend Nazis. It's amazing. In eastern Ukraine, they don't they don't expect an invasion, but people are watching and waiting. Oh God. Now watch this. It's amazing. Let's see. Where is it? Folks, I have just found something. Check this out. You can't see up here. I'll leave a link in the in the description below. You can do this yourself. I did the command F and I typed in it Neo. Nothing has come up. Huh. Nazi. Hmm. Interesting because this very article right here in eastern Ukraine. We back-click out of here, back to the search. Interesting, because this is the one I clicked. I'm kind of... Oh, right, nope, down here is the one I clicked. Right here. Boom. Right here, right? Look at this description down here. Members of Ukraine's Azov Battalion train local civilians rifle and tactics on Sunday. On Sunday, January 30th, 2022, in Kiev, Ukraine... The Azov Battalion are a far-right neo-Nazi all-volunteer infantry force. Now, that article is a bit old from February 2022. They have since become an official like military force for the Ukraine. Furthermore, just so you know, far-right Nazi? Those two things don't go together because you do realize Nazi is abbreviation, right? It's an acronym. It's a condensed... It's a condensity of a pre-existing phrase called the National Socialist Workers' Party of Germany. 
that got condensed down to Nazi. Socialism is a far left political ideology. They were socialist men. I'm sorry to tell you, they absolutely were, both in practice, belief, and exercise. Even Karl Marx believed in a fucking, you know, one race society. So I hate to tell you, Adolf Hitler was more of a socialist than your Starbucks drinking ass. Sucks to be you, I guess. But let's move on. But but feel free to search the internet at your leisure. The Azov Battalion is rest assured a violent neo-Nazi white supremacist far left activist group that has now become one of the most well-funded, well-weaponized militaries on the fucking planet. And of course not to mention Italian police bust Azov tied Nazi cell planning terror attacks in Italy. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Dore has been doing an excellent job covering the Ukraine conflict as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, an anarcho-capitalist giving a socialist credit. We do really live in weird times now, don't we? But yeah, these little weird and white supremacist fucks are all over the planet. At least all over Europe. But let's move on to the real meat and potatoes of it. Now that you've... you've eh, let's wrap this video up and move on. We're not talking about shooting at the Kremlin. We're talking about shooting at military targets that are in Ukraine that are Russian targets. Let me just pause it real quick. Okay. The American military. Now we're gonna hop on over. Doomsday clock. Ooh, the spooky fucking doomsday LARP. By the way, the doomsday clock is just a bunch of fucking bullshit. Do not waste a minute of your time or a brain cell past this point caring about them. Doomsday clock 2023. Time says the world is closer than ever. To global catastrophe. Watch this video. The members of the Science and Security Board move the hands of the doomsday clock forward, largely, though not exclusively, because of the mounting dangers in the war in Ukraine. We move the clock forward the closest it has ever been to midnight. It is now 90 seconds to midnight. Okay, a couple things. First off, who are any of these fucking people? You have some announcer cunt talking a bunch of bullshit. And then you got these goofballs, who I don't know who any of them are. I don't know what any of their academias are. I don't know what their qualifications are. Unveil this fucking edgy monstrosity before me. It is 90 seconds to midnight. Like, like, come on. It's not even a full clock anymore. They have This thing used to be a whole-ass clock. And you've just chunked it down to this bullshit. I fucking hate everyone in this picture. Furthermore, this means nothing. This means nothing. They never add time to it. They only take time away from it. Right? So when there was historic de-escalations in the Middle East and, you know, China, Russia, and North Korea all ceased nuclear activity and production, you know, because of a certain tangerine in office being like, yeah, maybe I should knock it off. Otherwise, I might get a little pissy and, you know, I get pissy. I have a button I like to press. And they're like, you know, he might be serious. I'm not going to do it. They didn't do it. Y'all didn't add minutes to the clock. Y'all just kept taking time away, acting like it was getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then what? What's next? It's a fraction of a half of a millisecond to midnight. You're just going to keep doing it. Is, is, is it like when you fucking, you know, you're, you're getting ready to fucking yell at somebody. So you're like. Or, or is it like here? It's like trying to give somebody a gift, right? And trying to build a dispenser. You're like, here, open your eyes, and on, on the when I get to three, open your eyes. One, 
two, two and a quarter, two and two quarters, two and three quarters, two and three quarters and a half. You start kind of like that. Is that what's going to start happening to this doomsday clock? Fuck you and your fucking LARP. Your stupid little fear-mongering LARP, and especially this goofy bitch. You know, she takes herself way too seriously. That's it. They've contributed fuck all to it. But yes, let's... Since this is considered fucking news, we'll look at it. The world is closer to annihilation than it has ever been since the first nuclear bombs were released at the close of the world of World War II. The bulletin of the atomic scientists said Tuesday that the time on the doomsday clock moved forward from 100 seconds to midnight to 90 seconds to midnight. <laughs> I could not give a fuck less about what any of you edgy fucking Deadpool Society cunts think. Oh my fucking god. What an absolute useless waste of time. But, let's get into the real fun things before we wrap up. We are not going to watch this entire thing, but we are going to watch a decent chunk of it. And then we're going to the last article for this episode of Inside Four Walls. And probably the last episode for the day. I got to be at work in like four hours. So, it's an interview with Tony Bobolinsky, The guy that came forward and said all the stuff that everyone said was a lie. Oh, the laptop's fake. There is no proof that Joe Biden's the big guy. Blah, blah, blah. This guy said all this. Said it was true. Brought the receipts. And then it's all been confirmed following. So, let's go back this old clip two years ago when all this was first coming out and just soak in the old words shall we asked him his reaction to that and here's what he said tell me about the conversation that you had with joe biden what, what did he say to you uh you mean the morning after he spoke that's right um they just it was uh there was a 10 people running around getting him something to drink and we were backstage in a cramped space and he asked me to walk with him out to the car and he just asked you know how i did and uh, what i thought of his speech and uh, i thought he did a great job in the speech and obviously cancer is a very serious thing that we should all be working together to solve i just lost a sister-in-law within the last two weeks uh sadly to cancer and um uh and then he just sort of asked me to keep an eye on his son and his brother what, what do you think he meant by that? Um, I think it was conscious of things, and, you know, I can't speak for him. Uh, maybe right. I would love for him to go on record. Um, you know, as I referenced earlier, I'm only sitting here because they have not, not only have they not gone on record, they've denied it, and they've tarred my family name and a long history of serving this country and have other congressmen now talking about Russian disinformation. This whole uh, smear on Joe Biden uh, comes from the Kremlin. I held a top-secret clearance from the NSA and the DOE. I served this country for four years in one of the most elite environments in the world, Naval Nuclear Power Training Command, and to have a congressman out there speaking about Russian disinformation or Joe Biden at a, uh, at a public debate referencing Russian disinformation when he knows he sat face to face with me that I was traveled around the world with his son and his brother to say that and associate that with my name is absolutely disgusting to me have you, did you complain about that I mean to suggest that you were committing treason or a part of a foreign attack on our democracy which is how they characterized it I mean that, that's such a, a serious and I think unfair charge yeah, and bring this up with them. Well, in basic form, you're exactly right. They are publicly accusing me of treason right now, uh, treating me like I'm insignificant, or the uh, 50 years of history that my family served this country is insignificant, and that's why I'm sitting here having this. I assure you, this is the absolute last place I want to be right now, and the last thing I want to be doing right now, but I feel like I have a patriotic duty to this country and every American citizen to go on record and to find the facts for them and let them do their own work. Let them decide how they view those facts or not. But for the Biden family to deny these facts, and then not only deny them, they could have just said no comment, but they didn't say no comment. They then brought in Russian disinformation and basically associated my name with that which is absolutely disgusting to me. And I had to go on the record. Last weekend, I was in Virginia, 
Uh, sadly, my sister-in-law passed away at around, I think, 6.38 Saturday morning. That's a wife of my brother who spent 28 years serving this country as a naval flight officer and just retired. So you can imagine me dealing with that and the tragedy of that. When I saw Adam Schiff go on record talking about Russian disinformation after this email had been posted online by the New York Post, and remember, that email was to me from James Gillier, right? It wasn't, you know, I wasn't blind carbon or CC'd on that. It was to me stating that I was going to be the CEO of this enterprise. Um, I, had, uh, I was at the end of my rope. And so I called Rob Walker and I told him that if that statement isn't retracted by Adam, or, uh, Congressman Schiff by midnight on Sunday, that I was going on record and I was disclosing all the facts to the American government, to the American citizen and the world. I was hoping the Bidens would do the right thing or Schiff would retract his statement, but I could not allow another minute, another hour or day for my family's name to be associated or, or muddied up around Russian disinformation. So even as I sit here today, I would ask the Biden family to come on record and stop using my name or associating it with Russian disinformation. It's absolutely disgusting. So this is Rob Walker, the representative of the Biden family. I believe his wife worked for the Biden family, um, apparently. So you said this to him. I, I won't go public. I just want them to retract the accusation that I'm an instrument of Russian disinformation. What did he say? That's correct. Um, Rob was under a tremendous amount of stress, right. uh, obviously his uh, wife and a, and, and a child, and he uh, said, L listen, let me make some calls, let me call George, who's Hunter Biden's lawyer, and, and see what I can do, but he sort of presented it as if that's going to be impossible for me to get done, and um, you know, I'm not naive, I know that's not impossible, and that's a single phone call from Joe Biden to Adam Schiff saying, basically go on record and retract your statement, you got over your skis, and uh, when I, you know, I was up late that night, and when the statement wasn't retracted, come Monday morning, I was ready to go on record, and what... How that record was, I was willing to go in front of any senator, any congressman, the Department of Justice, the FBI, or sit here with you, Tucker, and basically provide the facts to the American people and let them make their decision. This isn't a political focus of mine. People were accusing my family of treason um, after I served this country and defended this country. So the reason you wound up here in this interview, and, and I, I just want to affirm for our audience, I don't think you had any desire to do this interview. Absolutely no desire. Is because nobody else told your story. So were you surprised, given the, the trove of documents you have, given the credibility that I, I think is apparent that you have, that no other news organization took the time to unpack the story. Um, surprise is probably uh, an understatement of the year. Shocked, because um, it would be different if this was my word against Jim Biden, Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden. Right. That would be a very slippery slope, not something I would take the personal and family risk on it. But I've provided more documents and facts that validate times, meetings, who participated. That email to me on May 13th was generated by somebody else sent to me. It wasn't me generating. These text messages that I provided are Hunter Biden in the first person, Jim Biden in the first person, James Gillier in the first person, Rob Walker in the first person. It's not me generating the text messages, it's them speaking. So you can interview them. The FBI can interview them, our government can interview them. But I was shocked that not only the media is not only discussing this, they're going to the other extreme. They're dismissing it as Russian disinformation. This country has heard enough about Russia. We went through three years of every day, Russia, Russia, Russia. It's just absurd. The Cold War is over. And they're saying about your family? Yes. The Biden family knew that you're going public with this. And you spoke to Rob Walker about it. Again, the, the self-described Biden family representative. And Biden family, I mean Joe Biden as well. What was his response when you let him know that you were going public with this? Uh trying to coach me, <laughs> trying to sort of say, hey, we don't want to do that. We don't want, you know, press trucks out in front of our house. I'm going to have to move. Uh, I could lose my job. Um, and uh, all that, um, you know, I'm not trying to cause any harm to anyone in this situation, right. let alone Rob Walker and his family, James Gillier and, uh, and his family. Um, but basically Rob's position was if you go on record with all these facts, you'll bury all of us. <laughs> it's funny they keep saying, he keeps saying Rob Walker and, and I keep thinking of Rob and Doug Walker from uh, Channel Awesome. 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 I just developed a fucking lisp. The fuck. And uh, and his family. Um, but basically, Rob's position was: if you go on record with all these facts, you'll bury all of us. If he doesn't come out on record, I am uh, providing the facts. You're just gonna just bury all of us, man. What was your response to that? Um. 
I was focused on pushing these guys to do the right thing, to demonstrate an ounce of integrity in front of the American people. They all know the facts. I live the facts. And luckily for the American people, all the facts are extremely well documented. I'm irrelevant in this discussion. Real. So I can write off, but the American people can read these texts, listen to the recording that you just played, read the legal documents that were executed in Delaware, and they can form their own conclusion. They don't need me to form a conclusion for them. Give us a sense of your contacts with Hunter Biden. I just, a lot of this is complex. There's a lot that we're not, and this is television, so we're not putting you know everything that we have on the screen right. because we can't. But for those who might suspect that you don't didn't really have a lot of contact with Hunter Biden, give us a sense of some of the places where you had conversations with him and over what time frame. So um, obviously, as we already discussed throughout 2015 and 2016, while Joe was still the sitting vice president of the United States, these guys had been doing extensive work around the world in places like Oman, Luxembourg, Romania, that I was being made aware of, but I obviously hadn't come off the bench and agreed to be part of this. I'm sorry, I've got to interrupt you there. O Oman, Luxembourg, Romania. Correct. So they don't speak any of these languages. Neither one of these guys has any record of success in business. Neither one has a background in international business. Why would they be doing business in Oman, Luxembourg, and Romania? Uh, because, because they have relationships and they have the Biden name that they're able to set up meetings and get people to jump through hoops uh, in an interest to garner favor with the sitting vice president, Joe Biden. So that, so it sounds like Gillier is a legitimate business guy, a, a, you know, someone who's, who's yes. fluent in the language yes. of international James business. James Gillier, you know, served this country, he's British. Yes. Uh, he's traveled around the world for decades. He's a very low profile uh, right. individual, but he is, uh, he's sharp and he's as legitimate as they come. Sounds it. But Hunter Biden and Jim Biden have a well-documented decades long record of business disasters. Did you get any sense that either one of these guys was qualified to be conducting this kind of business? The only qualification they had was the Biden name. But they seem to have parlayed that into quite a few deals in quite a few countries. And I interrupted you, so, so give me, continue with where they were doing these deals. Yeah, so you had asked, you know, uh, the extent of my communication with Hunter Biden. So when I uh, decided to come off the bench and, and uh, entertain being the CEO of Sinohawk Holdings, um, obviously I was brought up to speed on the work that they had been doing in Oman, Luxembourg, France, Romania, Kazakhstan, and stuff like that. Because that was all going to be integrated into Sinohawk Holdings. Um, and so you asked to the extent that I spent time with Hunter Biden. I personally was in Bucharest, Romania with Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, um, uh, James Gillier, Rob Walker. Uh, I was in Monaco. Um, for the you know, annual Grand Prix there. Uh, I was supposed to sit with Hunter Biden. Um, I met him, uh, I uh, met on the patio of his hotel uh, and I sat there and waited for two hours. Um, and uh, you can imagine how uh, angry and I was frustrated after sitting there for two hours waiting for him without a text, a phone call to let me know I can't make it or I'm tied up. And uh, in a text that I think you guys are aware of and saw, the next day um, he aggressively comes back at me that uh, he couldn't attend the meeting that he himself set up. I stepped away from family and friends on, on the yacht that I was on with my friends to go sit with him uh, for a couple hours. And uh, he's effectively screaming into the phone that he could not pick up the uh, a phone and text me because he was with the Ukrainians and, and Mikola, the founder of Burisma, and that he was fighting for the only income he has on the Kazakhstan deal that apparently he negotiated. <laughs> and I had no exposure to the Kazakhstan deal. I'm not aware of any of the particulars of the Kazakhstan deal. I just know for a fact there is a Kazakhstan deal because Hunter Biden in first person told me there was in the text that I think you guys have and you will show to the American people. Uh, it's not my job to determine what that deal is. I'll leave that up to the FBI <laughs> and the Congress. We'll show to them. This is right here, Hunter Biden, D.C., you, uh, blank, fuck you, Tony, I wasn't asleep, and those guys work for the Ukrainians. Think I haven't left my room in five days? I was on Nikolov's boat arguing about my position in the, in the, uh, Kazakh, in the Kazakh deal. And, it was heated. Jesus, you play this BS card all the time, and exactly... What other meeting have I ever missed, Tony? H. If that was the case, then it then it is even. You can't send messages to the chat because WhatsApp no longer supports this. American people. Uh, it's not my job to determine what that deal is. I'll leave that up to the FBI or the Senate and the Congress to uh, figure that out. 
I just want to restate this. You are not a grifter. You're not someone who's selling access. You're a legitimate businessman who's done deals in a lot of different countries. So I just want you to assess once more. Is there anything about Hunter Biden's personal experience, personal qualifications that would justify him doing a deal in Kazakhstan? Uh, absolutely nothing. The only thing that he had was the Biden family name and the fact that his father at one point obviously was a sitting <laughs> president and potentially would run as a future president. It sounds like a remarkably ambitious international business program they had running. Extensive. Extensive. Um, th this is a small point, but I, I can't get over it. So you saw a number of reporters say, again, in an effort to bat away your story, your testimony on this, that the chairman referred to in a bunch of these emails was not Joe Biden. It was, in fact, the government of China. When you see people refer to the chairman thinks this, the chairman thinks that, they're talking about China and not Joe Biden. So I want to put up on the screen. Here is a text message you received from Hunter Biden to you. Hey, Tony, I have an idea. In light of the fact that we are an impasse of sorts and both James's lawyers and my chairman gave an emphatic no, I think we should all meet in Romania on Tuesday next week. And so you're hearing reporters say that chairman was, in fact, the Chinese government. Here you have Rob Walker responding to you. Clearly, there's some confusion over this. And he's saying, I'll put this on the screen now. When he said, when Hunter Biden said his chairman, he was talking about his dad. Correct. There's two chairmen in the story. There's Chairman Yi, who's the chairman of CFC. Yes. In that text from Hunter Biden, he was not talk talking about the chairman of CFC. And what Hunter's referencing there is he spoke with his father, and his father is giving an emphatic no to the ask that I had, which was putting proper governance in place around Oneida Holdings. So Joe Biden is vetoing your plan for putting stricter governance in the company. I mean, and, and it's, it's right here in the emails. Yeah, Tucker, I want to be very careful in front of the American people. That is not me writing that. That is not me claiming that. That is Hunter Biden writing on his own phone, typing in that I spoke with my chairman, referencing his father. If the world thinks that that my chairman is not his father, then Hunter Biden would come forward and go on record and state to the world. But you have the Biden family representatives, Rod Walker, saying right here, May 19th, no. When he said his chairman, he was talking about his dad. Exactly. All right. So, we know now that there is a deep, undeniable connection between Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and Ukraine that at least can be used as a very solid argument for a uh, conflict of interest and or nefarious arguments for why we are in Ukraine right now. Then we found out. Now, we're going to connect this to something a little bit different. Sorry it took so long to get here. The think tank at Penn State, the Joe Biden Office for Diplomacy, or Center for Diplomacy Center, my apologies. We found out that not only did that particular office have connections to China, we also found out that Penn State itself, both on a financial level and an employer level, have deep connections to both China and they have a um, an ESG rating and credit system already in play in China. Penn State specifically has a ESG rating system going on with China. Interesting. But we're not going to hop over to this article that just came out from the New York Post. Ted Cruz calls for a search of Biden's papers at University of Delaware. Now let's dive into this one, shall we? You see just videos of people looking around. Oh, this is, hold on, let me refresh. I was like, wait a minute, this is not what I was looking at earlier. I don't know why you'd have, here we go. We know that the university of like, why would you have autoplay on a website like this, you know? It's never made sense to me. 
the next steps, we know that the University of Delaware has 1,850 boxes of documents from Biden's Senate tenure. Given now the incredibly sloppy uh, and, and careless uh, keeping of classified documents, I believe the FBI and the Department of Justice should review those 1,850 boxes of documents at the University of Delaware. Delaware has said they're not gonna make any of those publicly available until two years after Biden leaves office. I think given the potential criminal violation, that needs to be examined right now. All right, article by Mark Moore. Senator Ted Cruz has demanded authorities go through President Joe Biden's papers held at the University of Delaware after more classified materials dating back to Biden's time uh, in the Senate was discovered at his Wilmington residence last week. Quote, the next steps in the scandal is going to be okay if Biden's Senate documents include classified documents outside classified settings, which is illegal, how many more classified documents are illegally in his Senate papers? The Texas Republican said Monday on his verdict podcast. Cruz said the university, Biden's alma mater, has more than 1,800 boxes from his 36 years in the Senate. The lawmaker added that the school, uh, quote, presumably does not have an SCIF, a sensitive compartmented information facility required to view the most highly sensitive classified documents. Quote, during the 2020 campaign, there was no concern, sorry, There was a concerted media effort to try to get access to those documents. In particular, those were allegations of sexual harassment raised against Joe Biden, and the media wanted to examine the documents on those allegations of sexual harassment. The University of Delaware has said, nope, they're not releasing the documents to anybody until two years after Biden retires from public life. Because that definitely screams, there's nothing to see here, folks. Quote, I already read that part, sorry. Quote, I am right now calling for the Department of Justice for the FBI to examine all 1,850 boxes of those state, of, of those Senate records to see how many additional classified documents are in those records. Cruz continued, quote, the answer should be none, but given Biden's pattern, we should have zero confidence that there are not multiple classified documents within those 1,850 boxes of Senate records. The president's lawyer confirmed on Saturday that an FBI search of FBI of the FBI's sorry of FBI search of Biden's Wilmington home on Friday turned up another six items. Jesus, marked classified quote or sorry, Biden has found himself engulfed. In a scandal surrounded surrounding the documents after it was revealed that earlier this month the classified papers had been found at the Penn Biden Center think tank in Washington DC on November 2nd just six days before the midterm election subsequent searches of Biden's Delaware home in December and earlier this month found more documents the Justice Department, which conducted Friday's hunt, is reportedly considering expanding 
its searches to other locations connected to the president. Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a special counselor, Robert Hull, we're looking at a form show, also Trump appointee, on January 12th to investigate Biden's handling of the classified documents. In November, Garland named veteran prosecutor Jack Smith to investigate former President Donald Trump after boxes of classified documents were found sorry, were uncovered at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida in an FBI raid in August. We found out that a bulk of the documents revolved around Iran, UK, and Afghanistan. It's interesting, is it not? How all these things just keep coalescing around each other. I'm just curious. Whether documents are where... And how does it all fit together? Because you cannot convince me at this point that this is not all interwoven with each other. It's just too weird at this point. But I can say one thing to conclude this entire episode. I am very tired of living through major historical events. And on that note, I'm going to end it here. This has been Inside Four Walls. I have been your host, James Madison. I shall talk to you guys later. Peace. is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem.